0: Welcome to the Sermon of the Week at New Hope Community Church. We hope that you're blessed and encounter God's presence as you listen to this message. This, uh, this up here. Oh man, I'm so excited. I really feel, uh, I feel passionate about the word that I have for you guys this morning because I believe that if you would open your heart and listen to what I have to say, you will become a more influential Christian for sure. And not just that, but if you take these principles and you apply them to every single area of your life, you will grow and you will step into even the promises. God has spoken over you and he's just waiting for you to step into them instead of just waiting around for them to drop into your lap. But they've actually already been granted and some of these things. So I feel like what we're stepping into, you know, Steve had this dream about 300. This is a prophetic season for us to step into that reality For us to begin to be bold again and to share our faith, to not be ashamed of what God has done inside of us, and to go and just be willing and open, and and to to share every single place we go when we see fit, when we're led by the Spirit, and to invite people to our church, because uh, there's something about inviting people here to encounter God's presence. That's why we're coming together on a Sunday morning. We're not trying to get people, you know, involved in some religious structure. You know, people always oh I'm organized religion, like, well, your body's organized, you know, like, you would not be alive if it wasn't, and everything else in life is organized, it would be a big mess, like, all this is is us as a family coming together and connecting and over, around the presence of God and growing as a family, it's not a hierarchy type culture, Um, you know, we have mothers and fathers, but we don't, we don't have something where uh, we're trying to get people, you know, into the hamster wheel of religion, Um, but... So we've been doing this series on evangelism and I believe that we as a church, and I do feel like this is prophetic, we will experience growth from all angles. There's going to be a time that we're entering into right now where there's going to be new believers coming to our church, young spirits that we are going to disciple and equip and grow. And there's also going to be people coming to our church from other churches because sometimes, I've said this in the past, the grass actually is greener on the other side. And they might be eating from a pasture that it's not even a bad pasture. It's just that God has called them to transition and plant somewhere else. And there are believers who are stuck in religion. And they need to be transitioned into a place where it's a greenhouse. Because that's what we're called to be. We're a greenhouse where people are called to come and to grow. And I know for a fact that God is going to take the fruit from new believers and believers that are transitioning from other house. He's going to take the fruit of this greenhouse and it's going to be exported all around the world. It's not going to just be, we have, we are a community church, but God has called this church to be what, what, what people have said, like an apostolic resource center. And to be an apostolic resource center, it's not like, you know, it sounds a little grand and, and big, and, and I believe it is, but what, what that really means is that the fruit of our house is just like, it's going to be exported. You know, we have imports, you go to Wegmans, this one from, this fruit's from Mexico, there are going to be fruits all around the world that are going to be stamped from New Hope. Yeah. And, that, that is, and that's going to come from all of us as a body, not just the people that are on staff or on leadership. It's coming from all of us. These fruits. Um, our influence is already out of proportion to our size as a church. Yeah, that's true. Okay? Good. So we're a small church, but our influence is much larger than our size. But I believe that God is going to begin to increase our size He's also going to increase our influence beyond what we've already known. And he's going to increase our size to mirror our influence. And the building behind us is a lot closer than you think. Okay? The money that you guys sow in here, the the time, the relationships that you're building, and the people that you invite here, we are moving into this building behind me. And it's not just so that we can have our ego stroked but it's so that we can expand and advance the kingdom of God and that more people would connect and encounter God. And this new covenant revolution is going to continue from this place and it's going to begin to continue to reshape the church and the world. That's what we're here for, all right? Uh, and, and, uh, and we need a new wireless mic. So this is like a Britney Spears version. It actually looks like a flesh wart right here. <laughs> so when Steve was talking about sewing into, you know, the new sound equipment and all that stuff, I just thought I'd mention, like, if anybody wants to buy one of these specifically, you're definitely... Anyways, that seems not connected. I know, it's just a random thought. Anyways, so the I'm going to continue to build on this this thought of evangelism, and as I was preparing, I kept seeing kind of like two pillars, and... I was seeing the natural and the supernatural, and and, and how we are as believers called to walk naturally supernatural, that the natural part of our lives, the everyday, washing the dishes, going to our job, walking the dog, changing the diaper, conversations with friends, with family, all of that is to be infused with the supernatural. That your, your life would be infused with a supernatural grace, that as you're washing the dishes, that you'd be aware of His presence, as you're as you're having relationships, as you're going to work, that you're encountering God, that He's there and He's able. In all the natural things of life, that the supernatural is superimposed over those things. But then also with the supernatural, we're called to be a supernatural uh, house that God will do abundantly more than we ask or think. So once you think of something, He's already going to do beyond what you've already thought. So if you think of, okay, we already believe that God heals, Well, he's going to take that even farther. You know, you you believe God will heal cancer? Well, he's going to do abundantly more than you ask or think. He's going to go even further than that. We are going to see radical miracles in this house. We're going to see people having radical encounters with the angelic and prophetic experiences and things like that. All these things are biblical. So we are walking in the tension between the natural and the supernatural, but they're not opposing forces. They're actually more like a Venn diagram. There's like a lot of blend and a lot of connection. You can't really tell where orange becomes red in a rainbow. There's no definitive line. And our lives are going to be the same. There's no definitive line between the natural and the supernatural. <clears throat> so when we are a supernatural house, and all of the, the weird things that that comes with, we have to know how to walk in that in a natural way. Because you can be way off, and nobody's going to connect with you except fringe New Age people. you know. And we have to be able to walk in a supernatural way that can connect with the daily life of somebody who's in a cubicle every single day, both sides. So that's where we're going, and I'm going to kind of hit on the natural first, and then I'm going to move into the supernatural, and uh, I don't actually have as much to say about the supernatural, but I will hit on that a little bit because I believe that it's important. But I'm going to go after uh, our tongue and, and, and speech today and I'm in sales, and I believe that God wants us to grow as a community of evangelists, because you might not be an evangelist, but you are called to evangelism. You might not be a salesperson, but believe me, you're in sales in some way, and I'll explain that a little bit more. But my dad was in sales all my life growing up. That's what he did. He sold cars. He sold siding and windows. uh, all my life, that's what he was in. And I didn't really ever understand it too much growing up, you know, your dad just goes to work. But when I was in high school, my dad entered this job where he had to go to Ireland, and it was a telecommunications sales job where he was providing an operator-assisted service to hotels throughout Ireland. So he would go and travel over there for like six months at a time, so I wouldn't see him much. But what he was doing out there, actually was one of the most influential things in my life because I watched how when my dad initially started this job, he would travel over to Ireland for six months at a time sometimes, he he went out there with nothing, completely broke, no leads, knowing nobody, just a company that said, hey, we'll hire you to go and represent us in, in Ireland. So he goes out there and his job was basically to go and cold call and connect with hotels and earn their business by, so every hotel in Ireland would have, a, every hotel in the world has a, a phone in the bedroom and next to it there's a little plastic tent cards that would sit there and they would say call home, dial star seven seven or something like that. So the business and the service that he was providing was basically anytime tourists would come to Ireland and they would go to a hotel and they wanted to call home, and they they could use the hotel bedroom phone and dial star seven seven. This is before FaceTime and Skype and everything like that. It was really big. So he went out there and after a month or two, his first paycheck was like $30. It's nothing. But he kept going and after only a few months, he began to break ground, get in front of the right people. He began to build relationships and it started with like the mom and pop hotels and he would begin to earn new accounts. He's using his God-given sales swag and favor, and it began to explode. Eventually, my dad completely took over Ireland and the UK to the point where every single hotel, not just mom and pop hotels, but major hotel chains, Hilton, all that kind of stuff, every single pay phone in every single airport in the entire nation of Ireland and the UK, anytime someone picked up a phone and called an international phone call, my dad would get anywhere from a dollar to like $4. Crazy. At one point, he was making up to two hundred thousand dollars in a single month after he took over the whole country. Now, through Skype and FaceTime and all this stuff, the whole (laughs) business began to dwindle. They ended up selling the business, and my dad moved on to other things, and uh, and since has never seen that kind of money. But it was for a season. It was really crazy, and that's probably why I moved out of my mom's house, moved into my dad's house, because like my dad's making all the money. I'm (laughs) out, so I'm gonna move in with my dad. It was a lot more fun, and he wasn't around as much, so I could do whatever I wanted. (laughs) Anyways, so that uh, that was incredibly inspiring to me, and I think that the way that he went out there with nothing and then literally took over the country, to me, spoke something that I now see as something that God has given me through my father as an inheritance to see what is possible, not just in business, but in every area of life, to be one who invades and takes over. It's like 11 we were talking about, you know, which can be a good thing or an evil thing in the kingdom. But you're called to go and influence and take over. Um, now, it didn't, I didn't always feel like my value for sales that I earned, that I got from my dad as an inheritance, I didn't always feel that way because when I started to become a, a believer, a passionate believer in Jesus, I heard messages that literally would say that sales was soothsaying and witchcraft and manipulation. And So when I first started to get jobs, I would try and get sales jobs, but those teachings and what I thought was manipulation and witchcraft literally hindered my ability to be successful as a salesperson because I thought that anytime someone said, no, I don't want that, and I would continue, that now I've just crossed a boundary, and I was struggling to be successful. But over time, God would begin to break that down, and he began to show me that actually, when you truly believe in what you're selling— that it is actually becomes an ethical and moral obligation for that person to take what you have, okay? That, that you actually aren't just being selfish, that you actually believe that this product or this service that you're offering them will benefit their life and your job as a salesperson is to be a decision catalyst to help them provide, to provide a solution for their life. And, and you have to learn how to overcome mental obstacles even that they have in their minds so that they can see the solution that you're offering. So, I, I felt like I had to learn that sales is not a dirty word and that sales is not always manipulation, although it can be, and it's definitely not witchcraft. How many of you guys have ever heard like that, what I'm talking about? There's books out there, entire book on witchcraft and you think it's about witchcraft and it's actually about soothsaying and sales. And it's like, uh, it, it can, you know, and I think that where that is coming from is people who have manipulated and have done evil. But just like money, this is an amoral thing. It can be used for good or evil. Now, the word sales and evangelism is kind of what I'm going after because sales has so many correlations between what we call evangelism. And I haven't learned this until just this last year in seeing how closely they can be correlated. But Even in the business world, they have begun to adopt the word evangelism. Uh, Guy Kiyosaki, he's the Apple chief evangelist, or he was at one point, he coined the term and he really started pushing this thing. And he started to talk about how businesses need to move from just a sales mindset but to an evangelistic mindset. And now the sales and marketing, there's entire businesses that they don't have a marketing uh, person, they have an evangelist. And they'll actually give them that as their business title. And I thought that was so interesting that the evangelist word is moving into the business world, but I think that we as a church have not really caught on to the fact that what we're doing in evangelism is selling people on a idea that God is real and that he loves them, and that we're not selling a product where we're earning a commission. I mean, it's the great commission, don't get me wrong, but it's, I was thinking of titling this message, Salvation and the Great Commission, but I thought it would be too far, so it's too much, too much. But if you could put on the screen this article from Forbes magazine talking about evangelism, and let me just define sales for you real quick, too. It's the act of persuading or influencing another to a course of action. See, even me up here right now, I'm trying to convince you to be someone who convinces others. I'm trying to persuade you on the gift of kingdom persuasion. So the act of persuading or influencing another to a course of action or to the acceptance of something and then there's this sales trainer. He says, even God and the devil are in need of good salespeople. Now, you have tech evangelists. Now, look at this. They, this guy, Guy Kiyosaki, who's Apple's chief cheap evangelist. He put this thing, and he put up these concepts. He said, concept motivation, traditional sales is to make money, but evangelism is to make history. Philosophy, to sell to and then to convert. The method, to impose versus to expose. So, I think that in sales, when you are imposing your will upon another and it's not for their benefit, that's when sales becomes manipulation. To expose, we're exposing the mystery of Christ. That's what we're exposing. The goal is a quota versus to change the world. When? Nine to five versus us anytime. And Guy Kiyosaki, he said evangelism is not a job title, it's a way of life. That is what we are walking in because like I said, not everyone is a salesperson, but you are all in sales. I mean, if you're married in here, you had to close the deal somehow. You know what I mean? That's the truth. You have to learn how to somehow your spouse bought into the idea that you were good enough to spend the rest of their life with. And then after a few months, they were second guessing all of that. So, but you can't return. It's 30 days, you know, no return. So no exchange. Sorry. Yeah, that's one, one, That's an all-sales-are-final kind of deal. Uh, but in every area of life, you are selling. It doesn't matter what kind of job you have or what you're doing, that you're having to learn how to convince people of whether that you're good for the... When you do a job interview, that is sales. You have to write up a, a, a resume and sit into an interview, and you have to explain to that person why you would be the right person for that job. So if you can take sales and take, okay, it's not a dirty word, but it's actually the art of persuasion, which is something that God is actually for, and it's, and it's something, I think that as a church, we've learned to be just nice people, but we haven't learned to be kingdom ambassadors who are here to take over, you know what I mean, and expand the realm of his kingdom. So we're all in sales, we're all evangelists, even if you're not holding an office, as evangelists. Now, one of the key things in sales is, Ben hit on this yesterday, is that if you're not sold on something, then it's impossible for you to sell it. And if you are selling something that you're not sold on, then that's, what, that's where the sleazy sales comes in, because you're selling something that you know is not good for that person. But if you are convinced 100% sold out on a product or a service or on Jesus Christ that you will be able to be persuasive because your passion and your enthusiasm will be contagious now the question that i wrote out here are you sold out are you completely convinced that jesus is your salvation Amen. first and foremost are you really convinced are you just a, a part of the christian culture somehow you landed here why are you why are you here you don't know god here god has a purpose and he wants to convince you 100 that he is your salvation that he is your savior And not just because your parents were Christians and their parents before them, but your own history, your own encounters, your own anchored belief, conviction, that he's your savior. Are you convinced that Jesus Christ is the perfect solution for every human on planet Earth? That he is the, are you convinced of that? So that anybody's pain, anybody's problem, you have the solution. It's pretty arrogant, they would say. Yeah, I guess so. Jesus is the answer, he's the only way. If you want to call it arrogance we can call it confidence but you have to be completely confident in that fact otherwise you're not going to be able to convince others are you convinced that he really is good that he's in a good mood and that he is good for other people because if you are then you're not going to be embarrassed to bring him up you're not going to be ashamed because you're 100 percent confident that the thing that you have that jesus you have is the pro- the solution he is the answer to their problem and why would you ever be ashamed to bring that up. The only reason you'd be ashamed or embarrassed is any place you're not completely sold. Are you sold on where you go to church or are you embarrassed by it? If you think about bringing people here or inviting them here, what, is that, what kind of feelings does that bring up for you? Are you sold on this place that you are at right now? If not, maybe you have some internal objections or lies that you're struggling with. Uh, and you have to get over that, because otherwise it's gonna be really hard for you to even invite people to church or to convince them to come with you because you're not sold on the place that you're going yourself. And if that's the case, you kinda need to ask yourself, am I in the right church? Uh, If I I do believe I'm in the right church, then you can actually, the Holy Spirit, what is it that is hindering me from being fully convinced that this is a place that I should bring people to? Are you fully convinced that when you invite people that they will encounter God in some way? Or do you think they're just going to think it's weird? These are things you have to wrestle through because that's real thoughts that we've all had. I mean, I know I went to a pretty weird church at one point. I mean, we're all kind of weird, but uh, you know, I when when there were people uh, you know running around with no shoes on and and the flags that we have and all this stuff, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, my grandma's going to think I'm at a cult or something. You know, like I wasn't totally sold on the place and what they were doing. And I felt I felt embarrassed, you know. And we've all felt like that before, but I remember at one point I was, um, there was a certain aspect of the business that I couldn't seem to do well in in sales, and I had to ask God, why am I not doing well here? And it wasn't even about the product, it was actually about my own ability, and I I felt like I wasn't sold on even myself in a particular area, and once that cleared up, my sales increased. Sometimes people aren't great at sales because they just don't have strong enough belief in what they're selling. And so I think the greatest evangelists are the ones that are the most convinced in what they're selling. I mean, and what, what are we selling, you know, uh, is it's a great question. If you could put up on the slide, Isaiah 55.1. Come all who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Buy wine without milk or with, without money. Buy Wine and milk without money and without cost. That's, that's where we're at. We're actually selling something that's completely free. And I, lo- I feel like that verse right there just is going to be part of our heart, that we are not doing this for any personal gain. We're selling wine and honey without cost. Come and buy. That's our invitation to the world. Um, in any area, you're not sold on anything. You have zero... Power to persuade or to influence. If you are sold, then it's your moral and ethical obligation to engage in the art of evangelism. It's your civic duty as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven to expand its borders. If you're fully convinced, it's your civic duty to influence, to persuade, and to convince others that the God that you know is real and that He loves them and that He actually has all of the solutions for their problem. Now, Matthew 10, 16, if you could put that up, Jesus said to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Now, this has got to be one of my favorite verses because Jesus is instructing his disciples to have snake wisdom. Wait a second, isn't the devil the one that is the snake? Why would, okay, and you remember me saying that being shrewd, being, uh, being, um, this is not about manipulation, because if you are manipulative, then that's because your heart motive is wrong. But if you are persuasive in a kingdom way, you can use some of the same principles that even the enemy uses, because they're not his principles, he's not creative, okay? The enemy is cunning and sly, and so are his children, because That is something that God had created for us to be convincing and persuasive, but he's using out of an evil intent to kill, steal, and destroy. But God is calling his believers to be persuasive, to be able to slither in, if you will, to the all spheres of society, not to bring destruction, but to bring life and life more abundantly. And when you can learn to be as wise as a serpent, but yet as innocent as a dove, the innocent as a dove part, that's the heart motive. You're actually innocent and harmless. You're actually not slithering into places for personal gain or for personal motivation or ambition, but you're there to bring the kingdom. You're there to advance the purposes of God on the earth. And this is the difference. This Trojan horse mindset of invasion invasion, is an invasion of love. It's an invasion of peace. It's an invasion of joy. And you're completely convinced that You are going to do this so that you can expand God. You're not, like, trying to do this for yourself. Does that make sense? Be wise as serpents. I call it being ethically sly, morally shrewd, and righteously crafty. You know, if the enemy's crafty, we are more so. What would happen if we started to be really cunning and really sly and really crafty? Because I'm telling you, like, God has way more craftiness than the enemy ever could. And we can step into that place where we're not just nice Christians or angry Christians holding picket signs, but we're actually invading. And there's ways that we can allow ourselves to become more influential if we're willing to not make this evil. The words like sly and like being crafty and things like that, because it's, it, if you learn how to be persuasive and you do not have a good heart motive, then it is manipulation and you can take it into the wrong place. So it's important for us to have that innocence as a dove, that purity factor happening. Otherwise, all of this doesn't work, okay? Amen. None of this works, and this could be the worst message ever if you don't hear that part, okay? That's right. It's good, <laughs> The Bible has a lot to say, though, about being sly and is directly connected to how we speak. Now, I'm gonna have just a series of verses come out real quick of, that I wanna show you guys, and I'm gonna talk on those for just a second. Um, If we could have, let me see here, Colossians 4, verse 6, let your speech always be gracious, be filled with grace, seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Go to the next verse. From the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. Let me see if that was. So, in sales, this is so true because how you speak to others will directly affect how much food is on the table. Uh, and when I see that, that's that's what I see. But you can take that and transfer it right into the spirit. If you can go to the next verse. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Those who love what? The power of the tongue. Do you love the power of the tongue, or do you have, are you ignorant to the, to the fact? But if you love the power of the tongue, you will eat its fruits. And depending on your internal heart motive, whether if you have the innocence of a dove, it will either be for righteousness or unrighteousness, life or death. And you will eat the fruit thereof, whether it's life or death, if you love the power of the tongue. Those who love the power of the tongue and have An impure heart will eat the fruit of death. Those who have a pure heart and are expanding the kingdom of heaven and love the power of the tongue will eat the fruit of the spirit, okay? Next slide. He who loves purity of heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king as his friend. This is what I was talking about, slithering into every sphere of society as with the heart of a dove to bring the kingdom. I know that some of the words that I'm using might be triggering you, like slithering, but I'm just following the footsteps of Jesus when he said, have, you know, be wise like a snake. So this is what we're talking about. Okay, go to the next slide. The heart of the wise makes his speech judicious and adds persuasiveness to his lips. I want this message to add persuasiveness to every single person's lips as you guys go out. God is strengthening the tongues in this house. Steve was talking about atrophied muscles of evangelism. One of those atrophied muscles is your tongue, and God is strengthening that today. He's increasing persuasiveness. Go to the next slide. The wise of heart is called discerning, and sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. Okay, like this is biblical stuff, right? Next one. Like, I need a lot of verses today. That's... They said I almost hit my limit, but I was like, no, this is, I need these because this is a weird message. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Amen. Now, so many things. Now, check this out. Proverbs 5.3 says, the lips of an adulterous woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. Okay, we just read that we can have honey on our lips. The adulterous woman has honey on her lips. Song of Solomon the bridegroom speaking to the bride. Your lips drop sweetness as the honeycomb, my bride. Milk and honey are under your tongue. So you see the adulterous woman's lips drip honey and the bride of Christ's lips drip honey. Both are dripping with honey. It's just which motivation and what is, the, is your heart pure? That's really what it comes down to. Is it the honey of heaven? Is it the sweetness? Is it the anointing oil of God? Or is it something for selfish motivation, ambition, and personal gain? Now, I think that having made the point that God wants to add persuasiveness to your lips, I want to just talk about a little bit of practical things when you are introducing yourself to a person and you begin to talk to them because in, in sales there's this thing called a sales process, and I'm going to look. I want you to look at this flow. And what sales people begin to understand is if they get good, then it becomes like the matrix. And when you're having a conversation with somebody, all of a sudden it seems like it's moving slower. And at any point in time, you'll know exactly where you're at in the process, and you'll know what to say next, and what keywords and what questions you'll need to ask them to help lead them to a solution, and not fight them there, but just show them. Now, the first thing is create a connection to the customer or to the person that you want to lead to Christ. That's that personal connection place. That's what's called like building trust and building rapport. The problem is that most of the church thinks that that's the only step. And they believe that the only way to lead people to Jesus is just by having these 20-year relationships with them. And then someday, maybe I'll invite them to church and maybe they'll think that I'm different, and then I can show them Jesus. But honestly, this is the shortest part of a sales process. This could take 30 seconds. A warm, friendly greeting, a nice smile, an eye contact, and a warm handshake, done. Pe- people will trust you within 30 seconds of meeting you, just by a few things like body language, and even your personal dress. I just want to speak to that. As uh, Solomon, even his servants, the Queen of Sheba was astonished by the way that they dressed. And as kingdom people, God wants to even influence the way that we approach our personal appearance and our cleanliness because that will affect whether you're believable or not and whether people trust you. Even simple things. God is going to anoint, I was talking about natural things. God is going to anoint even the natural things of our life so that people can connect with us and build trust. The next thing is you begin to ask questions about that person, and your job is to uncover needs. Now, in sales, you're trying to find, okay, do they need the product that I'm offering or do they not? But in our life, all we need to do is find pain in people's lives. And that's, you know, okay, they're stressed. They're depressed. They just had a breakup. They're sick. All these things. We're understanding the customer needs. We're understanding the person who needs Jesus' needs. Understanding. And then we, once we understand the needs that that person has, we can offer an adequate solution which is always Jesus, but in, this, in some cases it might be you need to pray for them for healing, which is why you need the supernatural, because otherwise you're not equipped. You need to give them a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge or a prophetic word so that they can be encouraged, which is why it's important to be equipped with the supernatural so that the solutions you're providing are actually real and not just come to church, although the solution you're providing might be come to church, okay? The solution you're providing might be that you just need to love them in that moment, or it could be that you need to close the deal right then and there and lead them to Jesus, But when you offer the solution, you might have what's called an objection. And that person says, I don't go to church anymore. uh, It's all about money. It's just organized. Okay, what are you going to do? Okay, and walk away? Because if you do that in sales, you're not going to have a job for very long. Okay? But when someone says an objection, I stopped following Jesus a long time ago. I'm a Buddhist. I was in a car ride on the Uber just a few weeks ago, and me and my buddy were on the way to the hotel. Oh, my gosh, this guy got us so good. He goes, what are you guys here for? We're here for a Christian conference, blah, blah, blah. He goes, oh, yeah, you're, you're Christians? That's cool. And he's like, I'm a Buddhist. And me and my buddy, we like, actually didn't know what to say. <laughs> and I asked him, I was like, oh, really? Have you been a Buddhist your whole life? You grew up in that? And he's like, oh, yeah, you know. And then like I'm sitting there. I'm trying to like, think of what to say. And then all of a sudden, he puts Christian radio on. And he goes, what, you're not going to say anything? He goes, I'm not a Buddhist. And he literally tricked us. I was like shocked. He totally... <laughs> Like just slapped us upside of the face, like so hard, I couldn't believe it. But that's why, uh, you know, that's why the Bible says always be ready, you know, like to, to have something to say. Uh, I had nothing. I didn't. I was like, what do I do? Right? I'm like, I'm like, God, give me a prophetic word. What do I do? What do you want to do, do? Like, and then he's like, you're not gonna say anything. I was like, oh, I took too long. Dang it. But, anyways, so you provide a solution and then you close the deal and. The thing is this can be, this. sometimes there are sales, you know, there are deals that take months and months to close, and there's deals that you can do it right now. And there's probably more people out there that are ready for harvesting that you could close the deal on right now, but you're just not asking for the sale. You're not asking for it. You have not because you ask not, okay? And that's one of the things is that some salespeople will go through the whole process, and then they forget to say, so do you wanna buy it? And they, like, all of a sudden they get really scared and they don't actually say, like, like, so you want to come to my church? So do you want to receive Jesus as your Savior right now? He'll change your life? Like, the, you've already had a relationship with this person for five years. You've never actually asked them if they want to know Jesus. Just my recent manager, he, uh, he was, uh, he was um, you know, an atheist when I started working for the company I'm working for now. And I've just, I have had a a year-long relationship with him, and little things, little things, he began to get more and more sold on the fact that there might be a spiritual reality, and then one day he called me up at like 7 in the morning, and I knew it was time to close the deal, because he was crying on the phone, and I had built a relationship with me that he he, he would actually share his problems, and I had the solution. I said, you need Jesus, and in that moment, he received Jesus Christ. It took a year, okay? But he did. And, and some of these things are going to be long-term. Some of them are going to be short-term. But I think what my heart for you guys is that some of them, most of them can be a lot faster than you think, okay? Yeah. You don't need to sit around in just this uh, trust-building process with people forever. Um, now, a couple more tips. When someone gives you an objection, like, well, church is always about money. Oh, man, I totally agree. There's so many churches that have abused finances. What did I just do? I agreed with the problem that he was feeling. Always agree. If you don't learn this in sales, you're going to fail. Whoa, that's expensive. It is really expensive. You're right. Or I could be, you know, like, get insecure insecure about what I'm offering. Or I can just agree with them. Now, I don't believe God is real. Yeah, I Man, I can totally see why you would, would feel like God's not real. Like, a lot of times, you know, it seems like he's just not even there. I mean, you can't even feel him or touch him. Agree with their objection. I, when you invite them to church or you ask them to receive Jesus, whatever objection they give you, find a way to be agreeable and then offer the solution again. Because now you're not trying to combat them to convince them. It's not an argument. And it's not a debate. So if I was standing here in front of somebody and we're conversing, I don't go to church because it's all about money. Or I was hurt when I was a kid and, you know, these preachers, they just, you know, they do weird things to children. Whatever their objection or their hurt or their woundedness is, you can try and say, attack that and try and convince them that you're right. Or you can come alongside of them and be like, you're right. Church has sucked and have been, like, horrible. Let's walk together. Let me show you how it's actually different than what you thought. Now you're walking with them rather than coming against them. This is the art of convincing people. Even little words like key phrases like, how open-minded would you be? Open and, how open-minded would you be to come to church sometime? The thing with a phrase like that is no one wants to be closed-minded. So you've only given them one option, even though it sounds like you've given them more. <laughs> how open-minded would you be to come to church with me sometime? They're going to say, I'm not open-minded at all. Wow, you're a closed-minded person? <laughs> They're not going to do that. How open-minded would you be to come into church with me sometime? Uh, I, I don't know. And then, well, how about next Sunday? Great, I'll pick you up. You have a ride? Like Josiah tells that all the time. Oh, I don't, I don't have a ride to church. Oh, great, I'll pick you up. Just leave no option. You know what I mean? You just, like, and this is where people start to feel pressured in sales, but you're really just helping them buy. So I know that's really crazy to hear, but anyways, so little things like that. I believe God is going to add persuasiveness to our lips in this church because we're not called to just be a nice church, but we're called to be a kingdom ambassador type church that is invading the planet with the kingdom of God, like rising up. If Jesus's mouth and a tongue coming out is a two-edged sword, then us too, because we're in his image, right? So, you know, no more fluff tongue, but like the real deal, the power of heaven. Now, Walking in the supernatural with this, imagine being naturally persuasive, anointed with heaven's oil on your lips, but also walking in supernatural power. Mm -hmm. Unstoppable, you guys. Like, you're not just a very convincing person. You have the goods to back it up. You're not just saying God is healing and it sounds really good. You actually lay your hand on them and they get healed, you know? You're not just saying that God knows all things, but you're actually revealing the secrets of their hearts through the the prophetic. And these gifts and willingness to inconvenience yourself is so key here because God is going to call you. I've seen more miracles when I've been in workplaces or at the line at Chipotle than I have like doing actual outreaches to go and try and find somebody to pray for. And we need to have the open sign of our hearts on so that the Holy Spirit's wind blows and said, hey, go talk to that person. Go pray for that person. They need something. You just go. And you're allowed to, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm on a time crunch. Yeah, inconvenience yourself so you can release the convenience of heaven. Okay, because in order to release convenience, you have to be inconvenienced sometimes, and when you do these things, God will show up if you give Him room to show up. I remember one night, looking at the time here. One night, I had uh, just come. I may have shared this story here before, but I had just come home from a late night grocery trip with Rachel, and Rachel was taking the groceries in, and I was. It was dark outside, and I was grabbing some of the grocery bags, and I looked at a peripheral vision. In between the alleyway of my house, I saw like some movement, right? And I brought some groceries in and I went back out to get more groceries and I opened up my trunk and I saw some movement again in the dark alleyway between our house. We didn't live in the best neighborhood. So I decided to walk up to the gate and I look through the alleyway to see what's going on back there. And I see it like it's really dark and I see the silhouette of a person kind of crouching down and moving really slow and backing himself up against the wall. And I was like, oh my gosh, there's a person back there. What am I going to do? And I just said, hey, what's up? I see you back there. And the guy, like, feels jolted and freaked out. He goes, oh, yeah, oh, you know what? I'm just getting some fresh air. I had a rough night. I'm just trying to get some fresh air. And just starts, like, kind of mumbling all this stuff. And I was like, "All right, man. You know, just kind of, like, wanted him to know I see you. Uh, I go back to my car, but the guy's still talking. I can still hear him ranting about his life, like literally just pouring out complaints and this and that. And I'm like, why don't you come on out here and talk to me? So this creeper comes out of the bush (laughs) into the street, into the light, and starts telling me about his marriage, his problems in his life, finances, and all this stuff, like just going on and on and on. So I'm like, well, I'm understanding his needs, right? This is a sales process here. We've we've meted and greeted. He was creeping. Now we meet. He comes out. I'm hearing his heart. I'm understanding his needs. And I have a solution. I said, let me pray for you. That's my solution. I'm going to pray for you. Oh, no. Here's his objection. No, I go to church sometimes. Okay, cool. That's great. I wasn't asking if you go to church. I'm going to pray for you right now. You know? Uh, How many of you guys ask somebody to pray for them, and they immediately tell you how much they go to church? Like, it's like weird. Why? That's not, I don't understand that. So, Anyways, he finally agrees. I lay my hands on him, and I begin to feel this tingly presence on my head. I knew it was the Holy Spirit. And I was like, I need to pray that this guy would get baptized in the Holy Spirit. So I lay my hands on him, and I pray. I said, God, baptize him in your Holy Spirit. And in that moment, the guy drops, like falls out. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, either this guy's drunk, or my prayer just worked. That is only two options here. And I'm holding him for a good 30 seconds, and he's just, like, laying there in my arms, and I'm like, what is going on? And all of a sudden, he gasps for air. He's like, (gasps) like he's coming back to life. And he's like, what just happened to me? And I'm like, I don't know. What happened to you? He's like, what did you do? And I'm like, I just prayed for you. And, like, he's, like, freaking out. And, like, I'm trying to hear him, and I'm actually a little bit nervous. And he goes, you got to come to my house right now. And I'm like, what? He was, you gotta come to my house. You have to meet my wife. You have to meet my kids. You need to come to my house right now. And meanwhile, it's like 11 o'clock at night. Rachel's in the house, probably wondering where I'm at. And I'm thinking, okay. So we walk uh, several blocks down, and we get to his house, and he like storms in his house, and he's like looking, and everybody's sleeping. He's like, everybody's sleeping. My wife and kids are sleeping. You're not gonna get to meet them. I'm so sorry. I'm like, that's okay. Like, let's just pray for your home. Because I, I realized at that point, you know, if if, uh, if if they invited if he invited me to his house, he actually was inviting Jesus to his house. Uh, it was like a spiritual thing. Even he might never realize what was going on, but he was inviting Christ into his home just by inviting me to come to his house. So I said, just put your hand out, we're gonna pray over your house. And we began to pray for his house. And he started seeing a vision in that moment. He's like, Oh my gosh, it's like an umbrella is coming down over my house. And I'm like, Okay, this could sound like this guy was drunk or on drugs, but I felt like he was having a real encounter. So he gave me a big hug, he said, you're always welcome here, I said, great, I go away. And it wasn't until like a year later that I'm getting out of my car, coming home, it's midday, and I see this guy running down the street. And he goes, hey you, are you the guy that lives at this house here on the corner? I was like, yeah, and he goes, do you remember me? And I'm like trying to think, cause it was dark that night. And he goes, you prayed for me right here, do you remember that? And I said, yeah, I totally remember. How are you doing? And he goes, you're not gonna believe me. He said, after that night, I haven't taken one more drink of alcohol after that night, I ended up getting a job. I'm just now getting promoted, and someone gave me a car so I can take my kids to school, and my wife and I were still together. Whole life completely transformed in a moment. Because inconvenience of inviting the creeper behind your house to come out and have a conversation, offering him a solution, which is the Holy Spirit's baptism, actually impacted and changed his life. And this is what we're called to walk in, not just in persuasive words, but in power, not just in word, but in power, both. We need the word, the word of the scripture, the power of our words, but also the power of God and the ability to lay hands on and release. You're called to release encounters everywhere you go, a dispenser of heaven. So if everybody could just stand with me right now. Just hold your hands out. Close your eyes. Acts chapter 4. Grant your servants. Grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. God, I pray that over every single person in here right now. That with all boldness, that you would anoint every heart, every tongue, every mind with a fresh boldness right now from heaven. You're receiving it right now. Whether you feel it or not, boldness is landing on you right now. Boldness is landing on you right now. Boldness of a lion. Boldness of a lion. It's landing on you. It's being infused into your DNA in this very moment. You will leave this place more bold than you came in today. This will be a powerful house where kingdom warriors are launched and invading the world with heaven. Grant your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done through your name, through the name of your servant, Jesus. God, I pray that every single hand in here, that you would not only anoint their mouths with the boldness, but you would anoint their hands with the power to release miracles, signs, and wonders everywhere that they go, God. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. God, this is the place that we're assembled together. Shake this place. Let this place be shaken with your spirit, and that all of us will be filled with the spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. God, that is our prayer this morning. God, fill our mouths with the oil of heaven, that we would be more persuasive, that our tongues would be like yours, that they would be a double-edged sword. God, allow our hearts to just we, just, we just repent for manipulation in any way that, God, we've been like that. We want to have pure hearts that we can persuade with purity, God. Persuade with love, that we would speak the truth with love, God. Anoint our mouths. Just open up your mouths right now. Everybody just open up your mouth. Receive the oil of heaven upon your tongue. Receive the honey. Receive the milk. Receive the word of God. We just pour it out. Thank you, Father, for pouring out your oil and your anointing upon every tongue. Strengthen every tongue in this place, God. Thank you that we, we will receive from you the right words to speak when it's time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. Take it home. Go out this week and know that you will be more persuasive than before. You will be more bold than before, and God is in you to heal the sick and release miracle signs and wonders everywhere you go, all right? Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you'd like to find out more of what's happening here at New Hope, please contact newhopecom.org or download additional messages from our podcast.